Today, we're going to talk about, the title of my message has been, the last two Sundays has been, Identity Crisis. And um, we live in a world where people don't know who they are. God intends for you and I to know who we are in Christ, but then there's a, then there's a way of knowing who you are just as a person. A lot of people that I meet, they really don't know who they are. They really don't even know what they want. They really don't even understand what life is really about and, and what their purposes and plans are. Sometimes we can be forced to create a plan, but then there's God's plan for your life. It doesn't mean that maybe the one you were forced to do, that's what God wants you to do. I'm not saying that that's not right, but... In most cases, no, because God had a plan for you and my life before we even were. I don't know how, but the Bible says so. If the Bible says it, that's the way it is. And I'm telling you today that God had a plan for your life, and over time, we, what, what has to be developed in each one of us is what His plan is. And so today... Um, I have a subtitle to, to my message, and that subtitle is, Wisdom is the Key. Wisdom is the Key. Everybody say key. What does a key do? It unlocks, right? If you need a key to get in somewhere, it's locked. Wisdom is the key to unlock your identity and who you really are. It's one thing to say, yeah, you know, uh, we're identified with Christ, my identity is in God, yes, we, it, that, that's a good saying, but how do we get that? And today I'm going to share with you something that some of you around here, you've heard this teaching before in different ways, but I've never taught it quite like this. I've never taught this message ever before in any way. I mean, no, no, no. I've taught pieces of it, but I've never taught it in this way or in this direction. And so, wisdom is the key to identity. Now, I'm going to read. I'm going to read the definitions. I think. Well, I know I did. I read them in over the last couple of weeks. Um, the definition of identity that I had. Identity is a condition or character as to whom a person or what a thing is, the qualities, the beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person or a thing. So your identity is who you are, okay? The Merriam-Webster's has a definition for identity crisis. An identity crisis, I really like this, is defined this way. So identity is who you are. But identity crisis is a feeling of unhappiness and confusion caused by not being sure about what type of person you really are or what the true purpose of your life is. Not knowing the person that you are or the purpose for your life. I say in the United States of America, and I'm just, I'll just talk about this country, it's probably this way all over the world, in one you know, phase or form or another. 
But in America, we have an identity crisis. We have people all over this country every day out of obligation because of debt and other things go to work every day at jobs that they don't even like. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people. And if the shoe fits, you just kind of wear it as you're listening, right? But all over this country, people are going through the motions of doing things in life that they've that actually have come as a result of default instead of by design. And God wants everything done by design. So the good thing is, everybody say the good thing. The good thing is, God takes us where we're at and He makes changes in us. He develops us. He, he turns things on the inside of us so that the outside begins to change. And when you tap into the wisdom and the understanding of God, that's where things change. So, I want to <clears throat> just jump right into this. And today, for the sake of time, we're going to start with Proverbs 4. Go there with me. I'm going to read a number of scriptures, passages of scripture, and just as I read it, I'm going to make uh, certain comments about each of them. But we're talking about wisdom being the key that unlocks your identity. How many say that's a good thing? I don't know about you, but that's a really good thing. <clears throat> verse Chapter 4 and verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law when I was my father's son, tender and only one in the sight of my mother. He also taught me and said to me, this is Solomon talking about his father David, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her, wisdom, and she will keep you. Wisdom is what? The principal thing. It's the key. It's the key. Therefore, do what? Get wisdom. Everybody say, get wisdom. Say it again. Get wisdom. Say it again. Say it again. So, uh, if I said, Fabian, go back there and get those hot dog buns. I'm kind of hungry right now. Um, so, if Fabian sat here and just kind of thought it through, would he be getting? No. If he looked over at his sister and said, what do you think about those hot dog buns? Should I get them or not? Is he getting them? No. He's reasoning in his mind. See, what does a getter do? He gets. He goes after it. Everybody say, I'm a getter. God's looking for getters. I know that's bad English, but it's the absolute truth. And you got the point. God is looking for people to get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. All through the Bible, this passage, this, this one statement right here in this verse, bears itself out. 
Wisdom is the principal thing. And just for a short definition of what wisdom is, wisdom and the word are synonymous. But wisdom is the extraction of the knowledge of God's Word. So there's something in the knowledge that comes out of the knowledge that's more than just head knowledge that is the principal thing that makes the difference in who we are. And he said, do what? He said, get the wisdom, and then what? Get the understanding. Say, I'm a getter. Okay, so in New Testament, we'll come back to Proverbs in a second. In the New Testament, in James chapter 1, and verse 5 it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, know what is wisdom? It's the principal thing. It's the main thing. It's the number one thing that you need in life. And what are you supposed to do with wisdom? You're supposed to get it. And, and as you get wisdom, you're supposed to get the understanding. And, and then when, some, when you have the understanding, it's because it's, it's, it's been applied to your life. We have to apply it. Not just know that it exists, but being, but being in a position where we're applying it. Okay? So he said, if you lack wisdom... Let a man ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, or he doesn't withhold it, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. He said to ask in faith. Now, in Mark chapter 11, I'm just giving you a few little foundational scriptures as I'm getting to where two points I want to make today. In, in Mark chapter 11... And verse 24, the Scripture says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Whatever things you ask when you pray. If any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God, who has, has an unlimited resource of wisdom, for every situation in life, right? And he doesn't withhold. So if I'm lacking wisdom, what's the problem? The only problem, I'm just answering the questions for you, the only problem is I'm not in the getting mode. Wisdom's the principal thing. It's got all the answers for every situation. It will identify who you are and cause you to be who God created you to be where you don't have to struggle with anything else in life if you become convinced it's the principal thing and you live to be a getter of the wisdom. But let him ask in faith, right? Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Whatever things that you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, interesting, I was looking this up, and, and in my Greek lexicon Bible where it translates the sentences, this is what it said. It said, whatsoever things that you ask for when you pray, go and take them and you will have them. 
Now, today, not only are we getters, but we're takers. And we're takers of what? What belongs to us. The wisdom of God belongs to us. Actually, the Word of God is the wisdom of God. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give to you freely, and He never withholds, but you have to ask in faith. In other words, you've got to rise up and go after it and get it. Got it? Now follow me. Um, back to Proverbs. Proverbs 1 and verse 1. This is the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will again, will attain wise counsel. Hold your place right there. And you can just watch it on the screen. Just, just stay there if you're looking in your own Bible. Um, and let's look at Proverbs 18 and 2. <clears throat> 18 and 2. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Going after his own ways. A fool does. Okay? So, a wise man, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, but a fool won't. And there's another verse of Scripture in Proverbs that says, a fool despises correction, and counsel. A fool does. Well, here at Gates of the City, we don't have any fools. Can you say amen? No fools here at Gates of the City. But to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's another one. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, I want you you to see the difference, okay, today, in being a wise person versus being a fool. I'm not calling you or anybody else a fool. I'm just talking about what the Bible is discussing here. And there are three things in the scriptures that we've just read, and then in a few more scriptures that we're going to read. There's three things that are actually three keys to identity. Three keys to your life being identified with Christ. Number one, it's instruction. Number two, it's correction. And number three... It's rebuke or reproof. Wow, Pastor, where are you going with this one? (laughs) 
We're just going with the word, <laughs> like we always do. Everybody smile. <clears throat> don't, don't be nervous about where we're going with this. But here's the thing. In, 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 we're going to read a couple of other verses of Scripture also that have to do with this. But in these contexts, in the context with instruction and teaching, and you know, when, when Jesus went about, when he went about, he went about teaching and preaching and healing the sick and raising the dead. But a number of times in the Gospels, it just said that he went about teaching, and then he went about teaching, and then he went about teaching. And so he continually went about teaching and instructing people. But in the midst of the teaching and instructing, what we see is him correcting and him rebuking. So right along with instruction is correction and rebuke. And we've, in our society, we've gotten that backwards. It's like we're afraid of being told that we're wrong about something. So, should it surprise you that you need to be corrected? Because if you don't need to be corrected, then you do everything right and everything's perfect in your life. Now, listen, listen to me. The Word, the Word of God, and, and I've had people tell me this through the years. I've had people tell me this a lot. Well, Jesus corrects me. Well, that's convenient. Right? That's really easy. But Jesus, we just got through reading about how that a wise man takes instruction and correction. We will read here in a, in a, in a moment some other verses of Scripture that really drive this point home. If you did perfectly Every single thing that you heard from the Word, you would need no additional correction or rebuke. If you did the Word perfectly, every single time through the Word that God showed you something specific and you did it that way, you'd need no other correction or rebuke. Because the Word, the Word of God, has everything in it. It has instruction, it has correction, and it has rebuke. The Word does. The deal is, we don't do the Word all the time. And we need things that will cause us to know how to do something right that we're not doing right. And what it does is it helps identify us and help us to see who we really are. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the family of God. And if we're afraid of the last two of these three keys, if we're afraid of correction and rebuke, we'll never become the people that God created us to be. You know, you know why? Because we'll separate ourselves over here. We'll separate ourselves and we'll stay, and stay focused on our own way of thinking about ourselves. And what we'll do is we'll find people that will agree with us. We'll find people that will agree with our disobedience. Wow, Pastor, this is kind of a hard word. Well, no, it's just the truth. My heart, I've been doing this for over 27 years, and my heart has always been that people would grow up and become who God created them to be. That's all I want. And so, you know, most of my words that I preach 
aren't quite like this one today, but you got to have these words, and you've got to understand some things that you don't really understand, because if you understood them, you'd be doing them. And everything would be right, because if you're doing everything that the Word says, then you're on the receiving end of everything that the Word produces. Amen? <clears throat> so, Hebrews 12, and I'm going to read this, actually I'm going to read this off the screen. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and verse 5, and we're, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. <clears throat> and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And you endure this divine discipline, remember, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Isn't that amazing? So, understanding disciplined, understanding discipline and not giving up is a key to finding out who you are. <clears throat> Anybody ever watch Bruce Lee? Yeah, yeah four of us. <clears throat> so, martial arts guru, you know, used to love his stuff when I was young. Watched him. <clears throat> but there, there, there was a, one of his, in one of his movies, there was a, there was a guy uh, a young kid that was, I don't remember what movie, it was years ago when I saw it. But in this, in this movie, there was a young kid that was, was, you know, developing in the martial arts skill, but he had attitude. And uh, he was told that he had to go to this uh, martial arts training, what do, what do you call it, dojo? Yeah, something like that. And he said he had to go to this dojo and, he, and learn. He was, for him to go to the next step, he had to learn from the best. So this young guy goes in there and he has all this attitude. And so they're practicing, and they weren't practicing on mats. They were practicing on concrete floors. <laughs> and so they're standing in a circle. And as they're standing in a circle, they're all supposed to be in, in a certain position. They're supposed to, as they're watching the others, they're supposed to have their hands in a certain way or however it was that they were to stand with their feet out and, and their feet had to be a certain distance apart, you know. And if this one cocky kid was kind of like, you know, like this. And so the, the sensei comes around him and sweeps his feet and he falls, his head first hits the concrete, bam! And the kid said nothing. And he gets up on his feet. And the sensei, before he could do anything else, he knocks his feet out again. He falls flat on the floor. Uh -uh. Hits his head on the floor. The kid says nothing. He gets up. The sensei does it again. Bam. And then the young man said what he was supposed to say. Thank you, Sensei. 
So anytime somebody did something wrong and got corrected for it, it was, thank you, sensei. One of the things that I've learned through the years is when I've been corrected, thank you, Father. Thank you that you love me so much that you corrected me. Lord, I didn't like it. I didn't like the rebuke. I didn't like the situation where I had to be corrected, but I thank you because it's making me. It's developing something in me. I'm seeing things about myself, attitude, seeing things that need to change in me that I would have never seen without that person speaking what they spoke into my life. And then one day, God showed me, literally, years ago, showed me one of the most important passages of Scripture that I've ever read. And it's 2 Timothy 3. And verse 15. Well, it's a whole chapter, but starting with verse 15 today. And that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. The Word is what makes you and I wise. The Word makes us wise. Amen? Amen? For salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Instruction, correction, and reproof. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Watch this. Look at verse 17. Let's look at it together. That the man or woman of God may be complete. So what does that mean? That means if I don't embrace the Word of God, and I don't embrace instruction. Am, am I instructing you today? Yes. Okay, am, am I bringing instruction? So you, you, have, you, you can choose to receive it or not. One, one of the greatest revelations as a pastor I ever got is nobody's forced to take anything I say and do anything with it. <laughs> you, have to do, you don't have to do a thing with what I'm saying today. Hmm? And you know what? I'm not running for any position. And I don't serve any public interest groups, and nobody's pressuring me, so I'm not teaching something that's trying to keep you happy. I'm not trying to make you unhappy. I want you to be even happier. I don't know. I, 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 could, I, I mean, to be, that you be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, why would you not want to be that? The deal is, we've got mindsets about, especially regarding correction and reproof, that tells us that it's a negative thing and it's something that's against us, so we reject it. And who are you to tell me anything? Well, whatever. I, I am who God called me to be, and I'll be and I'll walk in that position and in that place, but I can't make anybody accept that. You see? But, put that back up for me. If those scriptures bring those three things, and I'm instructing you today, 
but only Jesus can correct and rebuke, then there's something wrong. See, you're sitting here today because you want to, and you have either a Bible with you, or you have it in your phone, or you have it somewhere. You should have one if you're here today, okay? So you're smarter than the average bear because you're sitting here today and you're not doing something else during this time. You're here not by default, but by design. You showed up because you wanted to, so there's something that you're desiring. You want to be instructed. Well, along with that, and and it's something that we need as much as we need the instruction, we need correction and rebuke in our life. Either that or the Scripture's not right, but we know the Scripture's always right. So it's not enough to be just instructed, but we got to be corrected and rebuked so that we can be complete. See, I'm complete in Christ. Jesus made me that way spiritually, but soulishly in my mind, i got to get rid of a lot of ideas that are not true. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that person that spoke the truth to me. Thank you, Lord, for my wife at times who has spoken into my life and showed me things that that I didn't want to hear from her in the moment, but it made me better because I received it over time and I applied it and I put it to work and it worked. Thank you, Father, for the pastor that I have and the men of God in my life that are willing to speak certain things because it's just making... Thank you, Lord. Seemed like my feet were knocked out from underneath me, but I get up. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for what it's done in my life. And I want, I, I want as much correction and rebuke as I have instruction. Because instruction and rebuke and correction are the keys to me identifying who I am. Because without it, I'll never see or know who I am, ever. Without it, I will never understand who I really am. That's what I'm seeing in the Scripture today. So, chapter 4 and verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. If your ear itches, what do you do? Right? You scratch it. You don't want to live your life around people that just make you feel like it's okay to do things that you shouldn't do. They're always just agreeing with you. Everything's fine. Everything's great. There's never a correction. There's never something that needs to be spoken at all. Listen, if you need to be instructed, then I'm telling you today you need to be corrected and you need to be rebuked. Now, I'm just going to give you just a few little stories of things that have happened with me in the past. And as a pastor... You know, a lot of people don't understand what pastors are really for and what they're about. Scripture's real clear on it. The teachings that they were talking about, that he was talking about in 2 Timothy 3, those are the teachings that you've received, 
and that you've been convinced and that that teaching is, is, is building and strengthening you and making you into who God created you to. You need that instruction. But at the same time, you know, when something surfaces and arises and you need correction, you need to be able, as the Scripture said, you need to be corrected and stay. You need to be able to be rebuked and not be offended. Now, I know as well as you do, and you've heard it not just in the church, but in all different kinds of worlds out there, in the business world and everything else. There are people that have the heart and best interest of the people, and then there are people that have their own agenda. And people with their own agenda are going to rebuke and correct incorrectly. Try to control other people's lives. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. But that's not what we're talking about today. That's not what this ministry has ever been about. It's always been about the good of the people, even though we've been accused at times. I've been accused at times of trying to control people. But here's the thing. Through the years, and I'm just using this as an example. I'm really actually not really even, I mean, I, you have to think about somebody a little bit, but I'm not really thinking about any specific person. But, you know, after 27 years, there's been times when people get offended and they don't like things or whatever. And that's their, their choice. They can go and do whatever they want. But what hurts my heart is not that people leave, okay? What hurts me is that people can't handle correction, okay? Now, several cases in point. I'm just going to say this real quickly and just give you an idea. So um, let's, let's just take somebody in here, okay? Let's just say that Dahlia came to me and my wife and said that she wants to get married, okay? And that she's met a person and she believes this is the right guy. And we say, okay, so what are you wanting from us? And that's what we would ask, okay? We'd ask, so what do you want from us? Well, I want you to be in agreement and I want you to uh, pray because, this isn't her past or anything, I'm just using this as an example, because she said, you know what? I've been in a lot of bad relationships and I've, and I've picked a lot of bad guys, and they've been wrong relationships that I've picked, and I need help. That's what she says, okay? She's coming to me, asking my wife and I to pray, and she said, I need help because I've made bad decisions in the past. Great, so we'll pray. So she starts receiving from us. We start giving her instructions based on what we believe is right in her situation, okay? We don't have it all. We don't understand every little thing, but she's come to us. And in the position, the difference in me as an individual and me as a pastor is that I'm, I'm in, my wife and I are in a, in a five-fold ministry role that has an anointing to help people, and we can't help people to gain advantage for ourselves. We have to help people so that it'll be good for them. Okay? So, just, just case in point, okay? This, this has happened multiple times in the past. So she comes and she brings Mr. Wright, okay? He walks in, he's got a, huh? No, not, not, not that Mr. Wright. No, 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 he, he's already taken, <laughs> right? Uh, no, not, not that Mr. Wright. Where is that Mr. Wright at? <clears throat> anyway, um, so, so she brings this guy. <laughs> so she comes in, and as she, she brings him in, you know, and he's, he's looking, you know, all the part, and he's, you know, you could say what well, he's got, you know, a mohawk, and he's got this, and he's got 
175 different tattoos on his body and all the, like that would be the wrong guy. No. Let's say she brings him in. He's in a three-piece suit, right? He still has his name tag from the bank where he works. And he's the president of the bank and he does all these kind of things. And so she brings him and, and, and we meet. This is all under her direction. I didn't say anything. didn't force her to do anything. She, she brought it to me because she needs help. Everybody say help. Everybody say we have the Holy Ghost. But she's still learning how to hear the voice of the Spirit, so she needs help. She needs somebody that's not going to tell her what she wants to hear, but's going to speak the truth based on what you hear from in here. So, meet the guy. Looks great in the natural. You know, uh, the, the Bible's very clear. You don't judge a book by its cover. You know, not, that's not the Scripture, but you know, in so many words is what it says. You don't judge a book by its cover. David wasn't king because he was the oldest and best, did all the great things, right? So she brings him in, shake his hand, spend 30 minutes talking and just asking questions. And as I'm, as I'm getting answers, all of a sudden, man, something's just not right. I don't know what it is, whatever, it's just not right. Okay, now she's asked me, I'm going to say this again. She asked me to pray. This guy looks right. Why not just, man, just put, him, put the ring on and marry him. Woo! Right? And something's not right. And see, what people don't realize as a pastor is, man, when I get that not right thing, now I've got to make sure it's not right. I've got to spend time in prayer. Then I've got to have a meeting with her. And I've got to sit with her and explain to her what I'm sensing in my heart when in the natural it looks so right. Now, I'm using Dahlia, but this actually happened multiple times through the years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Dahlia, I just, I'm just telling you. I can't put my finger on it. He looks the part and everything, but something's not right. You asked me to pray, I'm praying, and I'm telling you what I think. So she takes it. She kind of deals with it. She kind of goes over and, you know, and tries to figure it out. And then one day I get a phone call and somebody said, did you hear that Dahlia's married? No. She's married? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen her in a couple weeks, but I didn't realize she got married in two weeks. To who? Not Mr. Wright. Yeah, she got married to him. Oh, man. See, I can't make her do anything. And I've got to get rid of this thing, this heaviness that's on my heart because of what God said to me about what she did. You know, and I still have to love her. And I, I still have to accept her if she's already gone through it. Now I've got to accept it and accept her because that's what she chose to do. And I just have to let the thing go. Just let it go. Got to let it go. See, people don't realize all that's involved in how you have to be there for people. See, if I didn't care and I was just about myself, oh, man, marry the guy. You know, looks like he's got money. Wears a nice suit. I mean, that's what a girl needs to go after, right? A guy with money. Anyway, God's got all the money. 
Okay? God's got all the money. He's the man with the money. So just go after a godly guy. So, Dahlia chooses not to come back to church because she doesn't want to face the situation. And about six months later, I hear that she's been beat up by this guy. This is a literal story. I've heard that she's been beat up by this guy. Beat up countless times. A year goes by, a year and a half, two years go by. She has a child. She's with this guy. People that have seen her, black eyes at different times. She's been beat up over and over again. And then about three years in, this Mr. Wonderful uh, is arrested because he's been doing illegal drug shipments from different com- countries. Got a lot of money, you know, wore a three-piece suit, looked all the part, but he was all this stuff. What that was, what, what God was doing, he was speaking to me as an under-shepherd who has her best interest at heart. And I spoke something to her And when she didn't agree, I didn't get a chance to correct her. See, if she had come in and said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway, I would have sat her down and I would have corrected her about it. I wouldn't have made her, but I I would have to correct her. And the difference in a correction and a rebuke is when you've been told to do something and you choose not to, rebukes come, but they have to be led by God. When you've been told to do something, now, now, listen to me. What's true authority and false authority, okay, is if, if we, my wife and I go to Dahlia, we make her submit to us, we make her make choices for marrying somebody based on what we think. That, that's demonic. Did you hear what I said? She, all of that, she came to me. And when it came time to do something that she didn't want to do, as a result of what I said, I had nothing to gain. It had been easier for me, less stressful than everything else, to just tell her to marry the guy. But had she obeyed, and she had received the instruction, and done what I said, because I got it from the Holy Ghost, and if she trusts that, the, the Second Timothy passage here talks about the people in your life that you trust. Because you know they have your best interest at heart. That's the key. Knowing somebody has your best interest. And when you understand that lifestyle in the church, you find out who you are. Number one, think of the person who isn't Dahlia and the life that she's lived. I think about it a lot. It breaks my heart every time I think. And who she was and what she could have been and, 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 and the life that she has lived as a result of that. And you know what? The great thing is God just takes us where we're at right now. It doesn't matter if you've made wrong choices or you didn't know to go to somebody or you didn't ever feel like you could. You have to develop that ability to trust first. Nothing is forced. But there's something here about wisdom that's the principal thing that the wisdom will only come through the three keys of instruction, correction, and rebuke. And that's a life that is, that is not afraid of those kind of things. And it's not something that's forced. If you're in the military, you are forced to be corrected and you are forced to be rebuked. And they demand it out of you. The sensei that swept the feet, they were forced to. 
That concept of that cruel sweeping something and them hitting their head on the floor, you know, in the dojo uh, because they didn't do a specific thing right, that's not the heart of the Father. See, that's not the heart of real correction and real authority that has your best interest at heart. Never. There are two stories in the Bible, and I just have a couple minutes. Anybody give me 10? 10? 20? 30? No. Um, John 8. Look at this real quick. This is a story that most of you are familiar with, but I want to make a point here. Something I saw about this a while back. I've I've heard it preached. I've preached it a lot of different ways, but I heard this, I've, I've heard it preached in different forms. But as I was reading it a while back, I thought of this. And so, John chapter 8 and verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act probably with the guy that was reporting her. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him. They thought they had him. See, see they were pressing him. and they, so, so if he says, I don't agree with that, well, then you don't agree with the law. See, they're after him trying to catch him in what he's doing right here. Watch this. Uh, They said it, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Why? Why? Why didn't he hear them? (laughs) He was listening to somebody else. He was listening to the Father. He was listening for wisdom. And in his writing in the sand, he he would not let them press him for an answer until he got it from God. I've never seen that. Maybe you have. I've never seen that before. I've heard that he was down there writing names of all the guys around him that were, had been in adultery. Or, you know, I've heard all kinds of things about that. That never sat right with me. That's not Jesus. He's not going to play stupid games like that. No. He wasn't listening to them because he was listening to Father. Because Father's got all the goods. He's got it all. He's got the wisdom and he's got the understanding. And notice, I, I, just, I, I like write, reading it because I just like what happens. So when they continued asking him, he raised up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, or by the other people standing around going, You better not throw one, I know what you did. You better not throw one, I know what you did. You better not throw one, I know what you did. Right? 
and he says their conscience got to him. They went out one by one, beginning with the, the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. What did he do? In the midst of a situation that lacked wisdom, he went after wisdom, he grabbed wisdom, he took wisdom, he, he got a hold of wisdom, he got it, and he rose up, and he was the answer in that situation. In, 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 in the, the Dahlia situation right there, okay? She asked for, she asked for prayer, she asked for the word, she asked for instruction in that, in that situation. And so, as my wife and I rode in the sand, we didn't give her the answer that day, we rode in the sand. And in here, inside of us, we knew something wasn't right. And we rose up, and we never even got a chance to say what God said. Because she knew that there was something not settled with us, and she knew we would speak the truth. And as a result of it, her whole destiny, at least for, for a number of years, I don't know where this person's at or whatever, whole destiny thrown out. Why? Because she wouldn't take instruction and correction if need be in a situation that would cause her to see things that she needed to see. And number one, be free from fear that she was going to be by herself all her life. Number one. Number one. Amen? So, So, in everyday situations, and I've got one verse I'm going to read. Go to Proverbs 9, and and I'll end with this. In everyday situations regarding whether it be, let's just give a list of things, uh, regarding finances, uh, regarding um, your spouse, uh, regarding how you treat other people, regarding um, uh, what you eat. Maybe you don't eat certain things that are right or whatever. Well, I, I don't care what it is. Just everyday situations. Are you so far along in life you don't need correction? I'm talking about from anybody. You know what the Bible says? Before it talked about understanding the roles that husband and wife play, right before that, there's a verse that says, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. You and I are called together, everybody, to submit one to another. Then there's certain roles. It doesn't say that the husband submits to the wife. It says that the wife submits to the husband. But it never said that the husband was to force the wife to submit. And every husband that ever tried to get his wife to submit, he's wrong. I mean, he's way off, Right? And every wife that ever tried to get her husband to teach him how to love her, she's wrong. Never did it say anything about it. It all had to do with an individual and their heart and the position that they're in. Because with a husband and wife, they're a role. As a pastor, I have a role. As a, as a, you know, if you're a head of a department in the church here and you do certain things, you have a role. If, you're, if you work a job and you have people under you, you have a role. You're in a specific role. And everybody, everybody needs to be corrected as much as they need to be instructed. 
I'm telling you today, the reason we have an identity crisis, and I'm leaving you with this, with this version of scripture, the reason we have an identity crisis, people that don't know who they are, is because they're afraid of correction and rebuke. And some people are, think they know it all and they don't need to be instructed. Worst place you could ever be, no matter how old you are or what you think you know, no one, thinks, no one knows anything like they think they know it. Or no, that's not the way it says. It says, let a man think he knows nothing as he ought to know it. That's what it says. Let a man think he knows nothing as he ought to know it. So no matter how much you know a specific thing, I'm telling you, you can know more. Amen? Just the way it is. We're in an identity crisis because people are afraid. We got this thing backwards. We're afraid of being corrected and rebuked. And the Bible says, a wise man, a wise man, well, you know what? Watch, I'll, I'll read it for you. Where did I tell you to go? Proverbs uh, 9. That's it. Proverbs 9. <clears throat> oh, this is really good. In verse 8. Do not a scoffer lest he hate you. Watch this. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Because that word rebuke, is, it, it, it's stern. It's, it's, but, but rebuke comes when we've refused to do what we've been instructed to do, and then we've refused light correction about specific things. That's when rebuke comes. But it'll only come if you ever want it. So all you got to do is just turn your back and walk the other way. You know, who does he think he is? I don't know. God says, God says to a guy that is walking in wisdom, if you rebuke him, he'll love you. <laughs> Verse 9. I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes the Bible just doesn't make a lot of natural sense. Verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will become wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. <laughs> I'll read those again. Give instruction to a wise man, and he becomes wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Rebuke, we read about correction, becoming wiser, instruction about being wiser, about, about uh, a scripture that we read earlier about prospering as we walk in the wisdom of God. And all of the wisdom comes because of instruction, correction, and rebuke, and us literally taking it and receiving it and asking God for it. I want it. I'm not afraid of it. I mean, I, I, I don't really like it, but I'm not going to be afraid of it. When I was, when I was uh, 21 years old, I went, I got out of the golf business, and I went into the restaurant business. And I was a manager for Luby's Cafeteria. How many like Luby's? Yeah, four of us. Any, um, <laughs> but I was a manager for Luby's Cafeteria. And, uh, and one of the things every day with, with plastic spoons, you taste something, you fill your line up with all the food, and then you taste everything, as Fabian's going to go do it here. And, and you do it with plastic spoons, and you throw the spoon away, and you taste something, and you throw the spoon away. You taste it, you throw the spoon away. And, uh, you know, I was good with tasting the corn and, you know, if I had to, a green bean at that, at that time in my life. But man, when it came to that pot of spinach, I'm thinking, yeah, that's good. It's all good. 
And when it came to the broccoli, and then when it really came to the Brussels sprouts, well, I picked the Brussels sprout up and went, I'm not tasting that stuff. Oh, my gosh. What does that sound like? Sounds like a little kid. Oh, I'm not going to eat that. And, I, and I, I just got to the place where, I'm just using this as an example, I got to the place where I just began to say, you know what, if it's good for me, I'm going to eat it. You know? And I'd, I'd stick it in my mouth, oh, I just, oh my gosh, you know? But would I eat Brussels sprouts before I ate probably ice cream? Maybe not ice cream, but, <clears throat> but, but pretty close. I'll eat a whole bag by myself of Brussels sprouts, which you probably don't need a whole bag, but you know. But I'll eat, I, I love Brussels sprouts, and they're really, 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 really good for you. But you know how I begin to like them? Is I allowed the Lord to correct me about that. I mean, nobody, nobody told me that because I didn't let, really let everybody else know about it. Well, no, my wife would tell me that. You need to eat them. Be a good boy and eat your, eat your greens, you know. <clears throat> Dark greens have good things in them, you know. She'd tell me that. And I came to a place where I realized I needed to receive that correction and do what was good, but how did I do it? I did it by faith. And today I love Brussels sprouts. There's not anything I won't eat today. <laughs> you can tell, right? No, but there's not anything that I won't eat, and especially that's good for me. I'll eat the good things for today, because I allowed myself to be corrected instead of, oh, I kind of eat something like that. No, when, when you're that way, you're really in bondage to that thing. You know, it's controlling what you do. So you go somewhere, you go to another country or whatever, and they, they throw this food out there to you, and you go, oh, I can't eat that. Yeah, by faith you can. You can eat whatever puts, whatever's put in, in front of you, you can eat by faith. You don't want to offend people. If they've made the best that they had, and they're presenting it to you, you don't want to offend them, right? And so it's good to go ahead and practice it now when it's just Brussels sprouts versus uh, uh, fried cockroaches. Okay. Glory. I'm fasting. Yeah. It's godly. It's godly to fast right now. I know it is. (laughs) No. Right? Practice it now. Instruction, correction, and rebuke. We're not going to be afraid of it. There's no reason to. So that we be adequately, adequately equipped for every good work. Man and women, men and women of God that are here to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God on the earth because we know who we are and we're not in an identity crisis. We're identified with Christ because we know who we are and we know where we're going. We know the things that God wants out of our life. Can you say amen?